Thomas Carruthers. And I am William Leggetter. And today we're rounding out our company. I sort of see this as a, a bonus episode because yeah. we, we finished uh, we finished company uh, yesterday. And when I say finished, I mean we added our five songs part, to the song canon. You've said that every single episode now. Um, I'm expecting you to say that at the end of Follies next week. <laughs> and today we part company with Follies. <laughs> um, had you ever seen this at all? Uh, no. This is one of my favourite things ever. So this is D.A. Pennebaker's documentary, Original Cast Album Company, um, produced, I believe, with Harold Prince's involvement. Let me get this right. Um, I've got my little Criterion Collection released, a beautiful copy of it. Uh, so I now own it on Blu-ray, and it's got commentary with Stephen. It's it's probably one of the last interviews he ever did, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, that's sad. Uh, but, um, yeah, no. Uh, so yeah, I, I watched um, what you sent me, um, but I watched um, one where it's commentary by Elaine and Hal. Oh, you watched that, the com- that commentary that, as well, that, yeah. I watched, yeah. And, um, and how is and, and Elaine? This is Thomas Shepard, and uh, I, I didn't like him to begin with. <laughs> but uh, he's quite a formidable guy. This thing. Um, so I'm I'm guessing, seeing as we are the exact same person in almost every way, that this completely enamoured you as much as it did me. Yes. Um, the only notes I have are all on Elaine Stritch. That's very Adam. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> uh, that fine. That final. I mean, it's a thirteen-minute video on YouTube of of the ladies of lunch segment of yeah. this, and I watch that once a month, um, <laughs> at least. Um, however, I do love the rest of the documentary. So let's start mm. there. Um, so this was originally conceived as a whole series. D. A. Pennebaker, wonderful documentarian. He did. Um, He did the war room. Um, he did the war room. Sale, no, salesman was the Maisels. I get, I get my, I get my revolutionary documentarians confused. But um, Theo Pennebaker did this, and the opening title crawl reveals to us that this was supposed to be a whole series. Uh, however, things didn't align. There never was another one. This was the only one. And can you even imagine if this was a whole series? I'd like that. Like, I can see that running till today. A bit like um, 
like the South Bank show or, or like Panorama. Just one of those things where every year there's, we get like three of these. I mean, obviously it'd be sad and diminishing returns as musical theatre. <laughs> um, I was going to say goes down the drain. That's not true. Um, do, you watch, um, do you watch Talking Pictures? No, um, what's that about? Um, it's great. It's just every, every episode they celebrate a different uh, old uh, movie star. Oh, no, I have. And it's the it's, same it's, guy and it's the same group of guys and there's the old man talking. Yeah. yeah. I, I <laughs> and I was watching them and um, incredibly, you want to you see awkwardness in a drama school is them leaving Sky Arts on and the Laurence Olivier episode of Talking Pictures coming on and that old man talking about the darkness and the intense quality of Olivier's Othello and then cutting straight to Othello, uh, Olivier in blackface, <laughs> just on the hu- on a pretty big TV yeah. in a drama school ca- uh, canteria. Canteria? What am I trying to say? Cafeteria. Catheter. Catheteria. Um, where should we start with this? Hmm. Obviously, it would be perfect if it was a whole series and we had all the Sondimes and all the great cast albums that we know and love. But we got this one. I think they kind of got pretty lucky with this being the only one they made. It's not like it was some show that has no life and has no legacy. It's a show that's obviously lived on for 50 years and is still being produced um, in a huge new Broadway revival as we speak. So they kind of looked out in that sense. They also obviously looked out in the sense of uh, things that occur um, and personalities. So obviously we, we, we're spending 21 episodes talking about Sondheim, but in this, he's at his most drained, most is, yeah. passive aggressive, most smoke adult. <laughs> it was, there's a bit where, um, obviously, the uh, Elaine's listening back to some recordings that she's done because uh, she just can't get it right, and he just doesn't look at her at all. Is <laughs> I, I? It got to a point where obviously, obviously I make my notes and all that sort of thing, but it got to a point where I was literally just typing out every single word they say. There is just no, no, uh, no. What do they call it in baseball? No hitter. Is it a no hitter? Um, I, I don't, I don't. Um... The left team wins. Oh yes, you love Wii Sports. Um, what's the worst Wii Sport? Um, the worst. Three, Wii two, sport. one. Boxing, boxing, because you have to get that shitty yeah. thing out, and you're like, "What's the best Wii Sport?" This is controversial. I mean, three, 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 two, two, one. one tennis. tennis. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what are the? What's the best? Um, what's the best training? Uh, oh, training sport. Yeah. Three, Three, two, two one. one. Bowling. Target. Oh, I was going to say yeah. bowling with the 120 oh, pins. Yeah. There's so many. <laughs> no, I like, there's a target on the brick wall and you That's keep good. smashing out the bricks. That's one of my I love tennis. Um, do you remember when you we played tennis. a do you remember when we played a game of tennis will and you genuinely thought I was angry at you? And I was until I had my shower and then I calmed down. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I was so close. Um Company, original cast album company. Uh, so we'd seen a bit of this in Six by Sundown. We saw the uh, Dean Jones performing Being Alive, 
which is just absolutely revelatory and so intensely powerful. Uh, Sondheim in his interview, the one I was talking about, which may have been one of his final interviews, was talking about how that's the best Dean Jones ever did it. Um, I mean, they say in the in the documentary, you just swallow the mic on that final note, Dean. It's like, oh, okay, I'll see what I can do. And it is just the best. I know we've put the Raul Esperanza version onto our um, canon, but it is the best recording of being alive, sung ever. I, I just don't, I think that's quite undeniable. And I think seeing the ferocious, the ferocity in his face and the intensity is like, again, what Sondheim says, he's sweating those notes out. It's so such a painful experience. And it's, uh, it's just absolutely astonishing to view and watch. Let's talk, Harold Prince isn't really in this as much because obviously there's not really a reason for him to be there. He, he said he popped in then and again to keep up morale uh, of the cast. Um, but there's no really reason for him to be here in this situation. George Firth shows up for five minutes to uh, comment. The one thing he had to do was to give direction on the karate scene. Uh, and he was like, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> well, let me get it here. Um, you've got to tell her that, George. I did tell her. Do I have to reinforce it? And then they're organising the sounds of the karate. And he goes, okay, so it's the part where I go, <laughs> um, Glorious stuff. Um, so let's start at the beginning. Uh, it's a very good place to start. Where we meet the undisputed king of this documentary. One of my favourite characters of all time. I know he's a real person, but he feels like a comedic creation. Thomas Z. Shepard. <laughs> His first line, you mean to tell me we have a timpani, a legitimate drummer and a harpist? No, that's impossible. He is absolutely outrageous in everything he says. He has that wonderful cravat. <laughs> yeah. Don't you love the 70s aesthetic of it? I'm, I'm wearing a cravat in my upcoming show. Very Up, excited. Upcoming, gone coming. Oh, Wow. You are the Shakespeare of the podcast world. I am. I am. I am seeing it. Should we do a bonus episode, Will, where I review curtains? Yeah. Can yeah. you no? Can you write it in your blog? Can you do a do, do a scathing review? No, no. Do a nice. Um, we we do. Uh, uh, we're open to reviews as a society. If you want to do a review of us, what if but, I don't like it? Will? Not officially. Give it to me. I'll read through it and then see if it's, <laughs> if it's okay to I read. might just reuse that horribly homophobic review of company from the original. This is a show for homos, women, and yeah, and uh, see see how well that goes down. I might, uh, you know what I'll do? I'm going to Google the worst reviews of all time and just take the best lines from each. <laughs> um, I don't think it can be understated how much of an absolute shot of adrenaline Harold Hastings saying, and a five, six, seven, eight, rum, bum, It is the absolute most iconic, incredible blast of opening music. I know it's not the exact opening chord, but it's just absolutely sensational every single time. Um, so tell, tell, obviously I've seen this so many times, I, it, it, it's, it, it's ingrained in me, but what, what, what's your first response, Will? Did you enjoy it, all that sort of thing? 
it was it was yeah i really enjoyed it i love a documentary like this um this felt i don't know it by the way they were describing it in the commentary or the way it, it felt it felt almost cobbled together like a last minute decision well um, yeah it's it's this is the thing this entire album was shot over a day with obviously elaine coming in two days later but like it, it cuts to the clock before Barcelona, three a.m. Yeah, that's insane to me. Twenty-four hour musical. Yes, again, bring it back to, you. <laughs> and, uh, and before they do Barcelona, yeah, the cut to the three o'clock clock, and just a woman sleeping, and Dean yeah. yawning, and Dean Jones comes off. I don't know, as a bit of a diva. Oh yeah. Yeah, and I think him yawning before Barcelona, he's like, oh god, I'm so annoyed. But that's perfect for the song Barcelona. And if you're going to, you know, in some weird Kubrickian <laughs> fashion, you're going to get the absolute perfect recording there, aren't you? So, fuck you, Dean. No, he's absolutely sensational in this. This is one of the best recordings I've ever shot. Um, <laughs> the absolutely outrageous amount of smoking in this. Oh, my God. Elaine, especially. Elaine, especially. Um, Stephen never isn't oh, yeah. without a cigarette. The funniest bit <laughs> is... And he lived till 90... What? There we go. So 90. Yeah, 90. Um, the absolute most outrageous one is in that original them recording company. And it just pans out. And the guy, the guy playing Larry, just is just stood there. Phone rings, door chimes, in comes company. And he has it. And John Mullaney talks about this in his interview. And he's like, there is no part in that song where he could take a drag. <laughs> there is no reason he should be holding it. But, he, but he's right there. Like, I'm singing it through and I'm going, phone rings, door chimes, in comes company. Do, do, do. You, like, there's no, there's no way you could fit like a Like an Olympic sport. Yeah, rally racing. Um, and this really punctuates Elaine going, telephone calls. <laughs> we haven't really talked about Elaine's stretch yet. You're, been... not, you're not a 30 Rock person, Will. No. Ask, ask me if I'm a fan of Elaine Stritch. Are you a fan of Elaine Stritch? I have her autobiography <laughs> right here. <laughs> um, I love Elaine Stritch. Oh, what's it called? Still Here. Still? Oh, okay. Do you get it? Yeah, I do. Do you get it? <laughs> um, she is the version of Ladies and Lunch that we've put into the canon. She will be the version of I'm Still Here that we put into the canon, uh, both from her Live at Liberty album. Um is this a definitive ladies of lunch for you, Will? Or would you go Patty? I know that you, I think you would go Patty. I would probably go Patty. Has this enamoured you more with Elaine? It has, yeah. Especially because it was written for her. Well, this is the thing. It was so completely, I've said that, we said this with Gypsy, we said this with Joanne. It's so insanely written specifically for Ethel Merman and Elaine Stritch. I'm amazed that we've had 50 years of incredible Joannes and incredible Mama Roses that aren't just impressions of Ethel Merman slash Elaine Stridge. Um, um, Angela Lansbury's never played Joanne, has she? No. I think she would murder that role. That's un You don't think that. No, I know it. There's a lot of questions about whether Elaine is knowing of the cameras being... Well, obviously, they all know that the camera's there. But D.A. Pennebaker just sort of bled so much into the background and the camera, he never let go of the camera. And he yeah. was always walking around with the camera that he just completely bled into the background. So we get so many incredible moments caught on film that should never have been caught on film. But anyway, uh, but that's obviously a great documentary. 
there are a couple of moments where Elaine literally winks at the camera. And I'm not saying that figuratively. I mean, literally, like she winks <laughs> at the camera. And do you think that, I think there are, I think of all the people playing up to the camera, there is, Elaine is the, is not the worst for it, but the best for it. But then that obviously completely disappears when it comes to uh, focusing on the song for Ladies Who Lunch, doesn't it? But isn't she also like very drunk? Well, this is the thing, yes. So this is Sondheim talking about it. Um, the major thing to look toward, oh, sorry, the major thing to look at is what happens when a singer drinks. She had a bottle of brandy in her dressing room at the studio and would be taking um, nips. So basically, she was obviously an alcoholic and in later in her life, uh, on the after party, actually, for September, the Woody Allen movie, um, she had a diabetic attack because um, she'd been warned off you can't keep drinking, you've, you've got onset diabetes. And she had just a full-blown diabetic attack. Thankfully, a hotelier was there with a chocolate bar, I think it was. Um, but yeah, she was an alcoholic. And this was, I think, fueled and paired with an absolutely intense stage fright. She was absolutely riddled with stage fright. Um, and it's a miracle, really, that she went on to star in many, many shows after she quit drinking. Uh, of course, famously, the Edward Albee production, uh, the Edward Albee play, A Delicate Balance, she performed absolutely to rave reviews. That was a big comeback um, in, in At Liberty, one of my favourite things ever, obviously, her one woman show. She talks about, I want to thank that director for teaching me how to be drunk while being sober, um, because if your first big playback is a three-hour Albie where you're playing an alcoholic, drinking the whole time, maybe that's the perfect role for you to do, or maybe that is some sort of emotionally devastating. We go back to Dean Jones. He had to leave because he couldn't do a show all about marriage and love and love breaking apart because he was going through a divorce. Never mind being sober and uh, going through uh, doing delicate balance for as long as she did it, um, to, to rave, rave reviews. Um, I feel like it does. Great play. Not as good as Virginia Woolf, but nothing is. Um, we have never done Virginia Woolf, though. We haven't, have we? No. I'd like to be in it with you, Tom. What, and you be Nick? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, you, you are blonde-haired and blue-eyed. You'd have to get ripped. Can you get ripped, Will? So, what, what are you trying to say? Yeah, of course I, I can. I'm, get, I'm currently in my workout summer body process as we speak. I'm very good. I took my Holland and Barrett supplements this morning. Um, <laughs> the, um, doing wonders, darling, wonders. Now, the, uh, yeah, no, I think George, me as George and you as Nick would be, uh, would be good casting. Just need to, I mean, obviously Ava would have to be Martha. And uh, who would be honey? We'll figure it out. Um, the where are we now? Actual documentary. Oh, this is yeah. Um, I love Thomas C. Shepard talking about you could drive a person crazy. I've never, I've never, it, it's never sounded like this. It sounds wonderful. And then immediately we need more bass. There isn't any. Uh, the, the just the back and forth of this guy is incredible. Sunday making the note on his on his crossword after hearing Barbie baby Barbie booby Barbie, and and then obviously that leads to him going over. Um, have you seen this clip before, Will, of him correcting, um, I think it's Pamela Myers on uh, Barbie, baby, Barbie, booby, Barbie. 
Yeah, I've said, yeah, I have. Absolutely. It's all the same now. It's all the same. Yeah. You know, um, say goody. Say goody. Suppose you were to say goody. Bobby, baby, Bobby, goody. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, now I know you're going to sing goody this time. <laughs> no. And then, and then again, so passive aggressive. That's it. That's it. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> now I know you're going to say goody this time, but nevertheless. <laughs> <laughs> um, you haven't watched Documentary Now, have you? No. Documentary Now is one of my favourite modern shows of all time. It's absolutely hilarious. Three seasons of absolutely incredible comedy. And in the third season, they did a parody of this. And it's absolutely brilliant. And I'll, you should probably watch it. It's absolutely sensational. Um, Sondheim, I've always... <laughs> so this is where, like, the smoking and the drainedness of Sondheim becomes a lot more obvious, is the interview with Sondheim where he goes... Where he opens with the line, I've always felt slightly resentful of people not seeing me as a composer. And he's just absolutely drained. And he's just got his cigarette here. And he is absolutely knackered out. Um, is this a different side of Sundown for you, Will, that you've not seen as of yet? Yeah, I, I guess it's an early sign, the, the early side of Sundown that I'm, I'm still really not used to. But yeah. He just looks so, yeah, angry, almost. Yeah. Head up. Yes. And, and he, he hasn't even... Has he written any of the greats yet? Well, well, he's written Anyone Can Whistle. Yeah. Um, <laughs> watch Cry. Um, I love... Well, this is the thing, isn't it? You see, it reminds me so much of why I... I again, this is the, de the definitive recording for me, that original cast album. There isn't a single song in that that isn't done perfectly. Um, and, and they're my favourite versions of all the songs. Uh, and the only reason our song canon doesn't have one, two, three, four, five songs from that is just for variety's sake. Mm. Um, but it would most definitely just be the five recordings from the album. Um, I love them. The, the recording of uh, "You Could Drive a Person Crazy" and ending with Pamela. That was the best. Uh, very funny, and it, that's what I was trying to say. Yeah, that reminds me of why "You Could Drive a Person Crazy" was in my top five. I mean, I was very happy to give you side by side, but that original, like we hadn't, we haven't really seen a good version. Like all the versions we watched weren't great. Whereas you come back to this and you're like, oh. This is it. This is perfect. And um, it absolutely just knocks you asunder. Um, Harold Prince talking about vibrations, you know. Again, everybody seems to be, not necessarily resentful, but everybody seems to be in a mood of, I told you so. Like Prince talking about this. There's, you know, that's what I mean by, that's what I mean by vibrations. That's what I mean by vibrations, you know, you know, we sold, and by the end of the run, we were sold out. It all has this, this sensibility of, um, as I say, uh, not I told you so, but look what we did. Look what we did. Um, here we go. So that now, so now we're recording Getting Married Today. What do you think of, what do you think of, oh God, what's her name? I want to say... No, Pamela Myers is the woman who sang. Um, where is it? Is it Susan Browning? I want to say Susan Browning. 
How unprofessional of me. Uh, Susan Brown, uh, Beth Howland, that's it. Um, what do you think of this getting married today? I think it's very, very good. I would say this is the best version I've heard. Hmm. Apart from the, uh, in the... Um, 2011. That one. I'd agree. Definitely better than Sophie Thompson. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. I think I could do it better than Sophie Thompson. Yes, most people could. Um, <laughs> Sondheim's first note. I don't want to upset you, but I'd love to have the tune. Uh, because I think what's what becomes very clear for me with this, with Sondheim, is this concept of this is the permanent recording. Yeah. Now, obviously, this is his biggest success. Well, no, not his biggest success. Obviously, Forum was this huge success. But Company, I feel like he has the feeling that maybe this will be some 70s oddity and won't really have a shelf life. So I think you can feel that feeling of legacy running through this entire thing of, no, this needs to be absolutely perfect. This is the permanent recording. He says that multiple times. And with Getting Married Today, a lot of people can just sing it very fast. A lot of people can just get through it. But there is a tune. Pardon me, is everybody here? Because if everybody's here, I want to thank you all for coming to the wedding. I'd appreciate you going even more. And, and sometimes people just blast through it to get to the end. But this is the permanent recording, so it needs to have that tune. Again, another incredible Thomas Z. Shepard moment. Everybody's throwing things at you, you poor kid, and then immediately throws something else at her. The word fidelity. <laughs> um, he's just outrageously brilliant. He's <laughs> great, isn't he? He's, he is by far my favourite. Um, then another 100 people, as we were talking about uh, when we looked at it in all the different productions, hearing it as one this, song. This was incredible. Absolutely incredible. astounding. Hearing it as one song back, you know, just straight through it as a pop song, quote unquote, not really, but singing it as one song instead of breaking it up, it is absolutely ripped the doors off the place. And I and I don't know if I was directing company and I had enough leeway. I think I mentioned this in 20 when we were talking about it, but if I had enough leeway with the script, I don't know if I would move those girlfriend scenes around and keep another hundred people as a whole song. Who knows? It might not work at all, but um, worth a try. <laughs> um, I feel like, and then he comes over really annoyed. I feel like you've changed two notes and I haven't noticed it for weeks. Again, mm -hmm. permanent recording and he can hear it. And so he gets it to go through and they find each other in the crowd. Darren, it's, it's uh, the Rusty fans, Rusty fans. Yeah, yeah. You'd, see, it used to be an A, but now it's down to an A. It used to be an F sharp, now it's down to an A. Okay. Um, <laughs> Imagine being that clever. That's, Somebody, yeah. I, I, not only writing your own, I could write a song. I wouldn't be able to know it. Back to the front. I don't know. When I, when we read my comedy scripts, hmm. The reason I read things with you is because we have the exact same sense of humour. So, but even you mess up on gags sometimes. But there is nothing worse than, like, we I've done read-throughs. And it is like, I have that thing with people reading some my comedy life. I mean, it's very hard. I completely understand because it's a cold read. But sometimes just hearing them, and I go, and I literally... I, 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 it, it, it's nails on a chalkboard. So I can kind yeah. of, again, not saying I'm Sunday. I'm, so, I'm comparing myself to Stephen Sunday. 
I, in many ways, I get it, Steve. Um, we should make an original cast album documentary of us doing a read through. Um, what's next? Um, the random, well, not random, but the dinner scene with Harold Prince, Elaine, George, and uh, Stephen, where they're all just drinking these black pints of either Guinness or bitter just in the middle of the day. And then the absolutely, this is the best Thomas Z. Shepard moment of the entire thing. Absolute comedic delivery of, hi, everybody. I just thought I'd come over. Hi, Elaine. We're going to be staying until four. And the hi, Elaine is, it's just absolutely perfect. Um, could you could you have done with more, more of this? It Was it, in that, I mean, obviously it's a, lo a lovely, nice, tight 53 minutes. But I could have gone for an I hour. I could have gone for an hour more, and a half. Yeah. Because but I mean, said, more, more of this for other productions as well. Well, this is this, the thing. Can you even imagine? Yeah. What would be your, of, of, right, okay. So this becomes a series. What is the original cast album that you wish they were there to um, record most? He's frozen. So I'll say mine. I think probably quite boringly most of the sundimes oh it wills back um when it comes uh oh what was i gonna say um yeah yeah if you, sorry, if, sorry, you, you, you and i know i know if this became a series what would be the album that you wanted that you would want to see most oh um i, I would love evita oh yeah patty With yeah Andrew yeah yeah. Andrew Lloyd Webber, Patty, Mandy Patinkin, and Bob Gunton. Yeah. That is one. And Harold Prince. And then the, the sad Tim Rice in the corner. <laughs> Why am I still here? Oh, Andrew. Um, I would like to see them recording the Sunset Boulevard album after Andrew Lloyd Webber kicks Patty out. <laughs> um, what a sh I think Patty obviously has a great disdain for Andrew Lloyd Webber for how he'd treat her during Sunset. But you know all that, don't you? No. Pause. Uh, I need to answer the door. Okay. Hello. So the, uh, what was that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If he, that would, that's a good choice. Oh, no, oh Sunset Boulevard. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. So Patty's, yeah. so Patty's Norma Desmond in London. And she's not getting rave reviews. She will always be my Norma. She's the best at singing it. Sorry, Glenn. Sorry, Glenn, I saw you live. Sorry, boo. No, not boo. Great, but you're not Patty. Sorry, Glenn. Love you, Glenn. Love Albert Nobbs. Um, but uh, basically, then Glenn Close was doing a production in LA, getting good reviews. So, although the contract for Patty stated that she was going to go to Broadway, they ripped that contract apart and brought Glenn Close in to go to Broadway. Mm. And Patty trashed her dressing room and stormed out. And they had to bring Elaine Page in to uh, finish the run, I believe. Uh, <laughs> outrageous. Oh, wow. I know. Um, what a diva. Not a diva. That's your. No, no, I'm completely on her side. It's like being fired. Because. Yeah. And she was expected to go on and perform a three hour musical that night. This is the thing getting fired from a normal job, I'm not in any way stating that being an actor is harder than being yeah, a coal so miner. Hard. <laughs> no, but like, there is a oh, thing yeah. of yeah, like, yeah. Go, having to, there is, if you're, right, uh, this sounds horrible. If you're depressed at an office job, you can slink away. 
and you can just sit in your bar and you can just sit in your stool all day. Even bar jobs, if you're depressed, you've got to have a brave face, you've got to smile and you've got to do all that shit. Especially women, they might have bloody bar, bar girls at my place. And when they're depressed, come on, love, what, what are you down? Not Yorkshire, but I'm down south, but what are you saying? They're about? all Yorkshire. Yeah. What are you said about? Hey, hey. Um, terrible yeah. stuff. Yeah. Being alive, we've already talked about that. Um, I love the Sunday moment. This is, you know, the first time I, I'd like to find the rhythmic liberties. This is the, the flower exploding, and you can really hear it. Um, I've just put here, Elaine's smile is so pure. Watching everybody sort of smiling and everybody absolutely in love with Dean Jones in this moment. Um, really, really quite beautiful. Um, uh, uh, yeah, I loved it, loved it. Um, sing, I can't spit at this time of morning. Very diva-like behaviour from Dean Jones there. Um, mm -hmm. And here we go, ladies of lunch. So this yeah. <laughs> is the final 13 minutes. Um, so this is Sondheim. Laser lunch was supposed to be done early, being alive last. Dean Jones was a diva. Elaine switched her spots, and that's when the dam broke. Uh, so basically, Sondheim relays that Penny Baker started packing up because he was running out of film. And halfway through packing up, he noticed that Elaine was starting to crack. <laughs> and so immediately started unpacking and uh, got more film and uh, started shooting what we have today. So it starts off with her feeding her dogs. Oh, sorry, did you know that Ladies of Lunch was originally titled uh, Drinking Song? I didn't. That's it, really. Um, I don't know what else to say from the Sundheim Tunic interview before we get. Um, the George Firth never played music at all. He never liked music particularly. Uh, the one act plays uh, came from the idea of George first shrink. That was the idea there. Um, and uh, Frank Rich talks about the wonderful touring of the orchestra in the um, show. Will's disappeared. We'll be back in a moment. Ladies of lunch. So starts off. She's feeding her dogs before going on. And then there's a nice bit of banter with her and Harold Hastings, you know, just get on there now. And then it becomes, you know, the typical, oh, we're going to pretend to be. A little shout out for the dog as well. I love the dog. That's, love my, kind that's, dog. that's my kind yeah, of dog as well. Pick him up. That's my kind of dog, yeah. yeah. Dogs and children. My kind of dog is a type of, like, literally, that's why I want that type of dog, because I want a baby. I want babies. Before children, though, I would, I would get a house or a flat, then a dog. Then a partner. That well, obviously. Yeah. Oh wow! Okay. <laughs> then a child. Then a partner. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the lovely Elaine and Harold Banter. God, these curtains have never worked since we got this apartment. Very funny. And then, and then it begins. And dare I say, I think she's singing it quite well I, 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 yeah I I really I thought that was it that was the one and then when afterwards you, the reveal that oh this time could you sing it I'm like, oh I think okay. you can hear it I think you can hear it a little bit as it goes on mm. 
in that first one. Are we talking about the one where she's absolutely manic and performing yeah. and dancing? And, and the that? hair reflects that. It's yeah. Like... And uh, well, this is another great Elaine line. Maybe if I took the hat off, I could do it. <laughs> and I don't know if she means that sincerely. I don't know whether that's just her her nature in performance, but or whether it's just a great joke. Um, Sondheim coming down to tell her we're going to take it down a half a key. I don't mind. I love it in this key. But your voice is tired. And um, <laughs> is he being passive-aggressive or is he just being lovely to Elaine? Um, he's being passive-aggressive. Does he love it in this key? He loves it in this. Why? He, he wrote it in that key. If, if this no, is no, 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 no. When he, when he brings it down and he says, I don't mind, I love it in this key. But your voice is tired. Um, I think he just wants to get to get home. Yeah. Well, we'll get to that in a moment, yeah. Um, mania of her first go at Ladies of Lunch, the dancing, and my absolute breaks my heart every time, her face. Um, there's a moment somewhere around um, just a little jest, another chance to disapprove, another brilliant zinger, and you can see it in her face that she knows that she's forcing herself and that she's straining and she has this like flash flush on her face and it's it's haunting and it's sad it's um very sad um but, but obviously brilliant um as it goes on, on i think she's saying she's four glasses of champagne in at this point as well well yes you can hear it you can hear the haze on her voice mm. um yeah, I mean, she was, she, was, she was an alcoholic for a long stretch of her life. Um, and it has an effect. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So then Thomas Z. Shepard again. This is the song that everybody's waiting for on the record. And uh, it really just doesn't have um, the feeling that it needs to. It's just flaccid. Imagine saying that to a saying that to a woman, singing her heart out. It's just flaccid. Um, not ideal. Not ideal, really. Um, Will's frozen again. Um, and I'm going to pause. I was just talking about the it's just flaccid moment. Did that shock you the most? I liked it a lot. It's just such a startlingly dark. And then obviously the comment that you referred to earlier. Okay, we're going to go for one more. This time, sung. What? Sung, please. And, and then Steve is just in the background and he just gives a little it's great. And then she comes into this, and then she comes in and uh and you go, oh, oh what is it? Stink or something? Is it awful? You know, yeah. and then and then Sondheim very quickly, you're talking it too much, you need to sing it. And then, okay, well, just tell me that. <laughs> and and you feel for it because that's not good direction, it's yeah. you know, sung. No, that I mean, it's a very funny and iconic moment, that, and it's very harrowing. You're off key, or I would be take that that way. Funnier, be funny. Can you do it again? But be funny this time. Have, have you had that one before? No, never in my life. But um, <laughs> um, but you know what I mean. And then um, and then obviously she gets brought in, and this is the moment. Uh, this is like the the iconic moment of um her listening, putting her hands through her hair over and over again, smoking. I'm just screaming, which I, how many times have I said that to you? <laughs> I enjoyed it. 
I was waiting for the entire episode. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but I've always done that, Steve, because I've always had dumb material. And now I have good material and I can afford to go back. And then she's listening to it again. It keeps going. And then she's like, shut up. No, no, it's, it's, I can take this all down. I can take this all down. And she's like, it's, it's such a horrible thing to watch. She's convincing herself and then, wrong. Oh, shut up. And it breaks the audio. It like, the audio, it like hazards the audio. And you can hear it even more on this beautiful, pristine Criterion Collection copy of D.A. Benebaker's company. Um, but you can hear it just pop the, pop the vocal. Uh, sorry, pop the um, boom mic. Uh, it's it's harrowing, and then and then obviously this is the last shot because um, we're at diminishing returns now. And I think it's quite harsh to watch. Thomas Shepard has come out multiple times after, like the minute he watched it, and he was like, "Oh, quite horrible, aren't I?" And he's like, "No, that's not." The engineer's job. The engineer's job is to help the talent, not break them down. And do they still go until four a.m.? Because um, Alex Brightman, Beetlejuice, and all that. He he was involved in the documentary now parody, and they have an interview on the um, on the disc. And he says, "I'm amazed by how little things have changed." <laughs> the The biggest thing now is that the orchestra is not in the same room. The orchestra is entirely laid down beforehand. Yeah. And then they go into their own booth, um, which I think you can hear it loses some sort of some loses energy and loses something. So many of these cast recordings just feel perhaps overproduced, would you say? Oh, Especially really? Hamilton. I mean, gee, that just sounds like a pop album. I know, like, I mean, I went to go see it in the theater and it just doesn't sound like that. It, you know, that rewind 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 and i go oh jesus christ i remember that day i remember that day i fell in love with you um making a toast it's my impression of uh, hamilton i think i've gotten my messing with my hair from elaine stretch really ava robinson previous and future guest talks about this whenever she watches sleepless in seattle she in like just compulsively has to put her hair into a ponytail because like she feels like she is so so much like Meg Ryan and Annie. But whenever my hair is like a bit shaggier and a bit thicker, I am always, I am all, I mean, also I scratch my forehead, which is a terrible tick. But like I'm always, you know, doing this. And I maybe I've just gotten it impulsively from Elaine. I don't know, from watching this so many times. Um, I don't know. I don't know. The odd and then the, the lack of audible dialogue for. We're going to bring her in early in the morning. We're going to bring her in. What do you want me to do? Bring her in early in the morning. Um, and then, again, most painful things I've ever seen in my life. We're going to lay down a track. Okay. And the one shot of her walking out whilst the band is prepping to start playing again. And she just grabs her smokes and leaves. And in the background, you can see Sondheim leaving the booth. Now, I have no idea. But I feel deeply that he's going to Elaine to talk to her. I don't know. Maybe that's just me putting Sondheim on a pedestal and, and, and Elaine just wanting to cuddle Elaine. Just wanting, Elaine, come here, please. Let me Elaine. cuddle you. Elaine. Elaine, Elaine. Who's your favourite Elaine? Is it Catherine Ross in The Graduates or is it Elaine Stritch, the real life icon? 
I, I would throw Elaine Page into the mix. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, my doll Bill, which started at the old <laughs> Drury Lane in 1922, which was just before I started there in Avito. <laughs> and it's Did time you ever, for you ever no, we never had a break leg. a leg. Oh, we, we never we had a break a leg. Break a leg. Oh, did you record them? No. <laughs> did you get? I don't know who was anyone, but um, it was always oh yeah, because your dad mate, uh, your dad's mate uh, is on the radio. He, he'll give you a shout out for your birthday. So I always got a shout out on Ryan's FM for my birthday because it no, was my dad. I, I, I did not. Get Happy that. birthday, William! Lots of love, lots of love from etc. I tell you what, I did get. Um, Idea will. Elaine should do a musical theatre pop master once a month. Oh, she should. Or and once a week. The same two guests. <laughs> yeah, it's and this is Thomas Carruth. Do you th right? Okay, this is where you're going to have to have a bit of humility. Yeah. And I think you'll admit it straight away. Who would win between me and you in a battle of musical knowledge? <sighs> Um, You're gonna it, have to it, admit it's me, Will, because I had more of a breadth. You have a yeah, you have a breadth, and I have specificity. I am the best. I would even argue I know more modern stuff than you, even though I hate the modern stuff. Yes, the stuff you know about modern things is a parody in your own head. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Like my, yes, my parody of Hamilton. Remember the day? Do a, do a live parody of uh, Come From Away. We're on a rock and the planes are riding. We're on a rock and it's 9-11. We're on a rock and the planes are landing. We're on a rock and it's 9-11. There we go, that's yeah. fine. It keeps coming up on my TikTok. Um, I, oh yeah, we're having such fun in rehearsals for Come From Away. And it just looks terrible. It looks really bad. I have always said this. I think that would be a, a musical that would be perfect for a film adaptation because I think your big problem with Come From Away is that you are telling this incredible true story of hundreds of hundreds and hundreds of people landing in a town and, it's, it's and you've got 15, 10 people. Yeah. You've got 10 people changing roles. If you want to really... I mean, obviously, it has a great impact. It's a big hit, blah, 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 blah. But if you want that show to really tell the story you need a cast of thousands you need you need like real life survivors playing extras and all that sort of you know like and you can release the story we had it and it needs to be directed by clint eastwood wow what a choice where did you pull that from from my breadth and knowledge of uh, the the movie industry uh, but you agree with me don't you um no not really <laughs> I, i'm sorry will I don't think he's ever directed a musical. Clint Eastwood famously only likes to do one or two takes, and that is not going to work in a musical. Um, and then Elaine leaving as the band starts playing, and then just the sounds of the instrumental Ladies Who Lunch over a New York skyline, and then suddenly, yeah. a toaster that immense sour budge, full face of makeup, her hair's in a beautiful bun. She's ready, she's wearing her... Elaine's page at uh, Elaine, <laughs> Elaine's Richard Liberty outfit, and uh, everybody's just smiling. And right, and it's one of those things. Richard Kind talks about this, and he goes, Maybe it's because this is the version I've heard a thousand times through my life. 
but it is better. Yeah, it's, it's very good, isn't it? It's incredible. Rise, rise, like that final rise. I mean, I've never, I, it's one of those things where it's like, I've never heard her hit a note like that in my entire life. <laughs> Again, it, like, <laughs> it's, we, it's bizarre. It's, it's, yeah, anyway. Um, and then a wonderful reprise of Side by Side. I would say, if anything, it ends quite abruptly. And that's what I mean by I would prefer it to be an hour and a half or whatever. It ends suddenly quite... It's suddenly, boom, credits, side. Side by side. Okay, all right. I always forget how, like, suddenly it ends. I do like it ends on this beautiful, jokey banter between Sondheim and Elaine of... Uh, no, 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 Elaine, we'll do whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and obviously, uh, Sondheim and Elaine's relationship continued for many years we're going to talk about her again in follies uh, our second follies episode and uh, she was in a production of a little night music which is coming up soon as well uh, which brings us to the end of company which brings us to the end of original cast album will any final thoughts on original cast album uh brilliant i've got i've got one more note it's oh, sure. right at the beginning of the episode um where because uh, i was listening to the, the hal and elaine version um how, i mean how's just very up himself Talking about technicals and it's yeah. not like uh, our prince. Oh, he's he's yeah, he's fine. He's great. Um, and then Elaine's like, I I never wear makeup in the week <laughs> outside of a show. I never wear makeup. And I told them, if you wanted me to come along, I'm not going to wear any makeup. And I didn't know it was going to be filmed. <laughs> it's great. What an incredible woman! Absolutely incredible woman. Um, I love Elaine. I love Elaine Stritch. Um. I love her so much. Um, and that is, that is, as they say, that's, that's the end of company. Next up, Will. The sun comes up. I think about you. The coffee cup. I think about you. Is this follies? This is losing my mind from yes. follies, yeah. Okay. Um, I was going to say, what's your experience with follies? But that's a stupid question. That should surely be the opening question for next week, but I know the answer already. You just know losing my mind, and I'm still here, don't you? And Rain on the Roof. And Rain on the Roof, yes, of course. <laughs> Do you know the story? No. Oh, this is wonderful. Okay, right. Well, well done. Thank Let's you. pat ourselves on the back for a good little hour of podcasting. I wish, I wish you gave me positive affirmation more. No, I, uh, our relationship is purely based on sexual sexual de degradation. <laughs> That's one hell of a good take. I want you to come in and listen to it. Perfect. And let's hear it for the ladies. It's got to be in there. Tom. I'll take it. Don't uh, fool around with. Oh no! I... No, we won't relay. No, no. You tell us what you want. <laughs>